Hi, my name is Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. Would you thank our choir for leading us in worship this morning? Tom, Margaret, Sarah, thank you. Bill James, thank you guys for what you do. What great worship this morning. Uh, If you've got your Bibles open to Luke 15, Luke 15, and I'm going to be preaching for three weeks out of Luke chapter 15. Um, You're going to hear the story read every week, and so if you would, for the last time in today's service, stand and honor the reading of God's Word with me. Now the tax collectors and sinners We're all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes, he calls his calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost just so. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands, hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. 
And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered, father, look, these many years I've served you. And I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead. And is alive. He was lost and is now found. Lord Jesus, would you show us about what it means to be lost and found? We pray in Christ's name, teach us. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever lost anything? How many of you are you're constantly losing something? What is it? I need you to talk to me right now. What do you constantly lose? Keys. Shoes? Did you say what? Oh, I thought he said pants. Pen. Pen. I heard it. I got it. I got it, Tom. No rumors about Tom. Anybody else? Keys? Pen, phone, glasses. Okay. Now, how many of you, every time you lose something, you go on the hunt, you're on the prowl. And until you find what you're looking for, there's a bit of tension. There's a bit of frustration. I do the pocket check every time I go to uh, get out of the house. Anybody else do the pocket check, men? You do the pocket check? I'm making sure I got all my pieces and parts, right? And I need everything. There's frustration and there's joy. And I want you to see in the text today that there are three parables that actually tell one big parable. And you'll see this idea, this theme of lost and found. Lost or found, those words are used some 15 times in this passage. And so I want you to see, uh, we're not going to walk through every verse, every moment, but I want you to see there's a lost sheep. In verses 3 all the way down to verse 7, there's a lost sheep. And that sheep, we find out, is lost in the wilderness. And there's a lost coin in verse 8 all the way down to verse 10. There's a lost coin, and that coin is lost in the woman's house. So I want you to see in the, the parable of the lost sheep, there's a shepherd who has 100 sheep. 99 of them are in his fold, he, he counts. Does his count at the end of the day and he says, oh no, I got 99. I'm supposed to have 100. And so what does he do? He leaves his sheep in the wilderness. That word in the open country is the Greek word eremos and it means wilderness or desert. And as we were in Israel just this past March, you'd, you'd walk through Israel or drive through Israel and out on, in the middle of nowhere on the sides of these hills, you would see flocks grazing and then a red dot or a blue dot following right behind those sheep. And they were the shepherds. They're watching their sheep. You see, the shepherd has lost a sheep. And so what does he do? He goes looking. A sheep is valuable to the shepherd. The shepherd doesn't want to lose the sheep, but he has. There's a, a lost sheep. And then in, in verses 8 to 10, there's a lost coin. 
this silver coin was uh, equal to a day's wage. That's a good bit of money for a working family. And so this lady has 10 silver coins and she's lost one of them. And so what does she do? She tears the house apart until she finds the lost coin. She's lost something very valuable to her and she's on the search for the coin. I want you to see the numbers dwindling. There's a hundred sheep, there are ten coins. And in the third parable, it's the parable of the prodigal son. How many of you have called it the parable of the prodigal son before? Yeah? I want to say that I think it's improperly titled. The titles are not in the original text. Like we, people came up with the titles. I think it's improperly titled. I think it should be better titled the parable of the prodigal sons. There are two sons. And it seems as though the father has lost one son. And the difference between the sheep, the parable of the sheep and the coin, and the parable of the prodigal sons is huge. See, the shepherd, he counts. And the woman, she counts her coins. And they find that one is missing. And the search begins. The sheep, but she, So we know sheep are not the smartest animals. I think that's why... Jesus is the good shepherd and we're the sheep because Jesus knows that sometimes we're not the brightest. Sheep are not the smartest animals. Do you know that sometimes a sheep will just look down and begin to eat and they will walk and eat and walk and eat and walk and eat and before they know it, the flock is this way and that one sheep is way over here. They're not the brightest. They'll get themselves into predicaments they can't get themselves out of. Sheep are not the smartest. Possessions sometimes get misplaced. I lose a phone. I lose my wallet. Where in the world did I put my glasses? Oh, here they are. <laughs> but the son is different than the sheep or the coin. The son comes to his father in verse 11 and he says, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. I don't want you anymore. But I, I do want something that you can give me. I want my share of your inheritance that you would leave me upon your death. I don't want a relationship with you anymore. I just want your possessions. And you see the son leave for a distant country to go after something that he feels the father can't offer him. And you see a father Watching, grieving, watching his son walking away. See, the, the sheep and the coin are misplaced. They're accidental. It's a, a mistake. The son is lost of his own volition. Do you hear me, church family? Do you feel the, the angst and the frustration and the grief of the father? Can you imagine your child coming to you and saying, I don't want you anymore, but I only want what you can give me. See, the younger son pictures God the Father letting a sinner go his own way. Isn't that some of our stories? Some of us, we have left God. We have rebelled against Him. We have run off to a far distant country. We have squandered all our wealth on wild, reckless living and prostitutes. We have run from God. See, but at the end of this parable, there's a second son. 
And I want you to see what happens. The first son comes back, and we'll get to that in a minute. The first son comes back, and the father is celebrating, and the son is out in the fields working, doing what a good son is supposed to do. And he comes near to the house, and he hears music and dancing. Now, that's a party right there when you can hear the dancing happening. He hears music and, he, and dancing, and he, he doesn't go in to find out what it is, but he calls a servant out. What's happening in my dad's house? Your brother's back. I can't believe that guy's back. Tell my dad to get out here. Dad, what are you doing? What are you thinking? This son of yours went out and wasted all your money. And now he's back. He's asking for a little bit more. And you're giving it to him. You killed the fattened calf. And you're celebrating. You shouldn't celebrate a son like this. He's right. But the father is. The older brother is also severed from the father. The father says, come inside. But the parable ends with him on the outside of the house. See, there are two sons. That are lost. See the first two parables. Help define, define the last parable. So you've got the sheep. Who's lost in the where? The wilderness. You've got the coin that's lost inside the what? The house. You've got the younger son. Who's lost in the where? A far off distant country in the wilderness. And you've got the older son. Who's lost in the where? In the house. Some of us have stories like the younger brother. We have gone astray. We have run away. We have lived recklessly. We have squandered the blessings that God has given us. Some of us, we have that story, but probably more of us share the story of the older brother. We're more like him than we are like the, the, the prodigal son who ran away. Most of our stories is that we've never left the house. Yet we're separated from God. And sometime or another we found that out. See, there's lost people, lost things. But then there's a search that happens. I want you to see the search. In, in the first parable, the shepherd, he realizes that one of his sheep is gone. And he travels a great distance to find his sheep. He leaves the others, the 99, in the open country, in the wilderness, to go after the one who has gone astray. The shepherd experiences great or travels a great distance. Then the woman, she's lost a coin. And what does she do? She lights a lamp. And she turns the house upside down. She sweeps everything. She pulls all the couch cushions out. How many of you have found the remote in the couch cushions this week? She, everything gets lost in the couch cushions. She pulls the couch cushions out. She pulls up the rugs. She pulls out the refrigerator. Sweeps the house. She searches diligently. Diligently, She experiences great trouble. And then there's the father. The father has a different story, doesn't he? You would assume that when Jesus starts the third of the parables, that the father would have left the house and said, Son, 
Where are you? Come back. But that's not what the father does, is it? He stays. But I want you to understand that all the shepherd, the woman, and the father all are portrayals of the father in heaven. They help us understand the father's character. And in two of these parables, the, the owner runs out to find what has been lost. But in the third parable, he stays put. But I need you to understand that the, the first two, they are actively pursuing. But in the third parable, we know the, the father, the father, God, pursues his own in different ways. Have you noticed that the son, this younger brother, he goes out and he squanders all the money and then he hires himself out to people of that country and he goes to the fields and he feeds the sheep and there among the sheep he hits rock bottom. He looks upon the food that the, the, the pigs, I meant, the pigs are eating and he, he looks upon those, those pods that the pigs are eating and he says, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry, there's a famine in this country, I'm so starving that I would eat that. And it hits him like a ton of bricks. What am I doing? Have you ever had that moment? The father can pursue us that way too. See, the father in the story of the prodigal son, he, he never left the house, but we see that the goodness of the father pursued him all the way to a different country. He got miles and miles and miles away, but there in his rock bottom moment, he remembered the goodness of his father and the blessings of his father's house. And he said, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? See, the search doesn't always look the same. Jesus is a wonderful counselor and he knows exactly what each one of us needs. For some, the father pursues them and searches in his love until he finds that lost one. And for others of us, oftentimes the father will stay home. He'll convict us of sin. He'll remind the child of his goodness and he will wait for the wayward child to return. For some, they need love. They, want, they need to experience the love of God and that is the motivating factor for them to come back to God. For it looks a little different. I want to read a passage for you out of Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. This is one of the clearest passages. Prophetic passages of what Jesus would do when he came. Verse 11. Ezekiel 34 11 says. Thus says the Lord God. Behold I myself will search for my sheep. And will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Listen to this, verse 15 and 16. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the straight, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. God, the good shepherd, says... Many of you have strayed from me. 
but I've not given up on you. I have not stopped searching for you. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't give up on you? Aren't you glad that he didn't give up on you like we often want to give up on others? Man, if God gave on up, up on us as fast as we give up on others, we'd all be in trouble. But he didn't. He says, I'm going to travel to a distant country if that's what it takes to come and find you. And that's what he did. Just like the shepherd in, the, in Luke 15, he travels a great distance to seek and save that which is lost. He leaves heaven and comes to earth. Just like the woman in Luke 15 who tears the house apart, Jesus goes through great trouble to find you and me. And just like the Father in Luke chapter 15, God the Father and Jesus the Son experience great pain and bear great shame on our behalf so that the lost one might be restored to the Father. The last thing I want to tell you this morning is not only is there some lost things in this parable, there's a search that happens in this parable, but the last thing I want you to see is there is joy in finding in this parable. There's joy in finding in Luke chapter 15. I love this passage. Luke chapter 15 I want you to understand this. I want you to see this picture that God longs to seek and save the lost. Whether you're a tax collector that desperately needs Jesus or whether you're an elder brother who thinks you don't need Jesus, you are valuable to God. He loves you dearly and he will experience great loss to seek you and to find you. And then when he finds you, he rejoices at the lost being found. In the first parable, verse 5, when the shepherd finds a sheep, he lays it around his shoulders. Can you see the tenderness there? He's not angry. He doesn't take a stick and go, you darn sheep. Aren't you glad that when Jesus finds us, he's like this shepherd. He doesn't beat us into submission, but he lays us on his shoulders and goes home rejoicing. And when he gets home, he calls all his friends Together And he says, rejoice with me. The sheep that was lost has been found. And I celebrate. Just so, verse 7, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I need you to understand, you and I are the lost sheep in this story. We're not the 99 other sheep who are sitting looking at indignation on the one lost one. Stupid sheep. We're not that. We're the lost sheep. Then in the second parable, the lost coin, the woman, she tears the house apart. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I'd lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's joy. And in the third parable, the parable of the prodigal sons, what you see in verse 22, the son comes home, he's practicing his I'm sorry speech, and on the way home, the father sees him from a long way off, lifts up his tunic, and he runs to him. That is shameful to do in that time, but he does it anyways because he doesn't care what people think about him, he cares about the son. 
He runs after the lost son. And the son says, oh, dad, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the dad lays himself upon the son. He hugs his neck. That's a good southern statement, isn't it? I'm just going to hug your neck. He hugs his neck. Kisses his cheek. He says, bring the best robe. He's not a hired servant. He's my son. He doesn't need tools in his hands. He needs a robe on his back. He needs a ring on his finger. My signet. He needs to bear once again. Put sandals on his feet. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he is found. He says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. Verse 24. And they began to celebrate. Verse 25. The older brother heard music and dancing. There was a party going on in the father's house. There was joy in the father's house because the lost son came home. And the elder brother calls the father out. And he, the father says to the elder brother, no, 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 you've got it backwards. It was fitting to celebrate. It was fitting. I need you to understand that there is joy every time we repent and run back to the father. There is joy. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, what caused Jesus to endure the cross? The joy set before him. What caused Jesus to despise the shame? It was the joy that was set before him. What in the world is the joy? Seeing the lost child restored to the father. Seeing the wayward come home. Whether you're a wayward younger son or a wayward elder brother. There is joy when a wayward child is restored to the father. It brings Jesus joy to give mercy to any who are in need. We often, have you ever thought, man, I bet Jesus gets really tired of me coming to him again. Oh, I sinned again. I done done it again. I'm so sorry. And don't you think that sometimes, don't you feel like sometimes God's just up there going, man, when's that boy going to get straight? I said three strikes and you're out. You're on number two. You better pull it together. Don't you feel like that's you and God sometimes? But that's not the case. It's not the case. I want you to understand that God's reservoir of grace is in constant use and it's never been drained a single drop. I want you to understand that Jesus' joy increases when the spiritually sick and wayward come to him for healing and restoration. His joy increases. It's the whole reason that he came. We celebrate Christmas. Why? Because Jesus came to seek and save that which is. Dane Ortland in a book called Gentle and Lowly, he says that's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people. Are you one of his people? 
then there is a limitless supply to mercy and grace. The Father would stand forever waiting for you to return. Whether you're the younger son or the elder brother. Christ gets more joy and comfort than we do. Let that sink in. Christ gets more joy and comfort than we do when we come to him for help and mercy. There was a tract. Y'all know gospel tracts that we sometimes use to share the gospel with people. There was a tract that was used in the 1800s. That, and this is what it said about the man who um, the, the, the centurion who thrust the spear in Jesus' side after he died. Listen to what it says, family. He says, if you meet that poor wretch who thrust the spear into my side, tell him there's another way. A better way of coming at my heart. If he will repent and look on whom he has pierced and will mourn, I will cherish him in the very bosom that he wounded. He shall find the blood shed, ample atonement for the sin of shedding it. Isn't that beautiful? And tell him from me, he will put me to more pain and more displeasure by refusing the offer of my blood than when he drew it forth. Father longs to give you mercy. It's his joy to give you mercy. It's the reason he came to give you mercy. To restore you to himself through Jesus the Son. Some of you are wayward and you know it. And I know who you are. You're rebelling. You're angry. Some of you are lost. Some of you have gone astray. Just understand that you can be lost inside the church just as easily as you can be lost in the wilderness. And being lost inside the church is far more dangerous than being lost in the wilderness. Remember, the Father is waiting. Remember, the Father is pursuing. He stands ready with enough mercy and great to, grace to meet the vilest of sinners. Come to Him. Trust not in your goodness. Despair not over your sin. Come to Jesus and let His perfect blood heal your wounds, forgive you of your sins, and restore you to the Father. I think there are three categories of people here today. There, there are people who are lost in the wilderness. There are people who are lost in the church. And then there are saved people who are holding back sin because they don't want to burden God the Father or Jesus the Son with their sin. They feel like they're in imposition. And if you're any one of those, 
your pastor's encouraging you, come to Jesus. Give him your waywardness. Give him your self-righteousness. Give him your sin. And trust today in the one who gave us Christmas. Jesus, the Son, the Savior, the Messiah who was to come live a sinless life, die a sinner's death, and raise from the dead for our salvation. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask you to respond as Tom and our praise team or choir lead us. I'm going to ask you to respond to the Lord however you would respond. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you right now in this moment. I see the lostness in those three parables. And I'm thankful, Father, that what was lost has been diligently searched for. And has been found. And you, like the father and the prodigal son, you are waiting for the younger brother to come home. There are some here, Lord, that need to come home. And I pray that you would right now pursue them and call them home. Help us to respond to you, not because we deserve it, but because you're good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we sing, it's an opportunity for you to respond.